Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. There is no Jay on this podcast episode, everyone. He's not here. I promise you, he's not here. You're safe. Sounded like 1984 in here. There is no Jay on this podcast. Okay, propaganda machine. Uh, so, Dominari United is out. It's in the world. You can play with those cards in paper and on digital things, and that's exciting. I hope folks who did pre-releases had a good time, and uh, I, I hope Vorthoses are enjoying all the deep cuts and all the new stuff that's in the set. I always like being on Dominaria for this reason. Can't wait for Brothers War. And uh, I don't know, it feels like I haven't been on the show in like 12 years. I missed one episode. <laughs> Right? I missed one episode, and, like, the number of episodes I've missed since I joined the podcast is probably, like, I don't know, I could probably count them on, like, one hand. So it was very weird taking an episode off and, like, having to listen to it. Um, But, yeah, Dominaria is out. I went to a pre-release, and that was very fun. I haven't done a pre-release since I did Midnight Hunt. Um, I opened some really cool cards. That was, like, a weird experience, too, of, like, opening cards at a pre-release, which I hadn't done in a whole year. Opening packs was great. Good feeling. I like physical product. I'm a, I'm a general physical media enjoyer. Uh, I've been very happy. There are a lot of companies doing like uh, physical releases of indie games on like a limited run basis. So I've uh, picked a couple of those up for some of the indie games I've enjoyed, like Axiom Verge and Axiom Verge 2 and Into the Breach. So uh, physical, physical stuff, good. Anyway, uh, Boom Studios has been going strong. We got the Johnny one shot. We just had uh, issue 18 of the main arc come out. It's been so good. <laughs> I like these comics a lot. You should read them because we're going to talk about them at some point. Yeah, at some point in the future, maybe in October. <laughs> I don't even know. Our schedule has changed so much over the past like month. Where do we have? We have, wow, all the way no, it's in December is where it's listed. The Hidden Planeswalker is the one listed for October. Oh, yeah. So, like, we've got, like, several months before we talk about <laughs> Boom Comics Volume 4. Yeah. Uh, I'll say number 18 was probably one of my favorite ones they've ever released. Um, out of, like, all of the 18 who've come out, I liked it a lot. Uh, it's really, really pretty. There's some really funny jokes. The characters are all great. It's kind of like a culmination of this arc is coming, so it feels really like satisfact. Like there's a lot of satisfaction in it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like ah, there's that character, and we've resolved this plot line, and it's yeah. Big fan of number eighteen. Yeah, the comics have been doing ten issue arcs, so the next one's going to wrap up in issue twenty, which means we're almost there. Uh this other news thing, I probably shouldn't be the one to talk about it because of work. Uh. Uh, the 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 arena voice lines oh yeah that's uh on the agenda for you to mention that you do a twitter thread about arena's voice lines oh that was okay specifically (laughs) i misunderstood what that was referring to yeah my 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 twitter thread for dominari united is out it's uh, my my thread most recent thread is usually my tweet i don't hashtag them but if you search like my username in arena you can probably find the old ones um yeah this was a really fun set to work on i've been wanting to write karn for a long time he's a character i love a lot uh i've been 
wanting to write Jaya on anything since I've done any kind of contract work for Watsi. Um, I got to write another Phyrexian Planeswalker, which is always delightful, like figuring out ways to twist their speech to a slightly different point of view. Very slight in a Johnny's case. Uh, he fits right in with Phyrexia. And uh, who's our other one? Oh, I got to write Liliana again, which is great. I love writing Liliana. She's one of my favorite characters to write. Uh, and so that was a blast. Um, yeah, so if you, if, if you like uh, if you like that part of Arena, uh, first of all, thank you as the person who writes the scripts. And second of all, enjoy the set. Uh, also, uh, a thing that Lorelai probably shouldn't talk about is that there are a lot of Arena voice lines on YouTube. Uh, a friend of the show slash longtime patron slash supporter slash overall really cool person uh zach dace has been uploading those uh so if you want to like listen to all the planeswalkers on youtube i think they're like all up to date currently um if you're looking for links to those easy to find links you can find them usually posted on our discord channel uh, so we'll save that for the end for the plug um but yeah, uh, there's not really much else news-wise. We're in a lull. We finished Dominar United, and now we're, like, waiting for the Brothers' War. Um, well, I mean, they did, I believe, announce the Warhammer preview schedule for those Commander decks. I forget when those were. Uh, and then we do have Un Unfinity. I almost said Unstable, but that's not correct. Um, <laughs> Infinity is out between now and then, also, and so that'll be there. But then, yeah, it's Brothers War, and I'm really excited. I'm really so Brothers War is the next set I wrote creative text for, so I'm very I'm anyway. Pretty sure Infinity and Warhammer come out on the same exact day, which is, I'm sure, gonna not create any sort of tonal whiplash in people who are enjoying really, magic products. They're really product. different products for really yeah. different audiences and also this wasn't when infinity was supposed to come out so like you know it happens i just think um, it's very funny you're gonna go to the counter and be like yes i would like to play in the draft of the carnival fun game joke set and also i would like to pick up my copies of space marines slaughtering aliens i, I don't know a lot about warhammer hey there's aliens <laughs> in infinity I, I see nothing wrong here Maybe there is a crossover. Maybe this is intentional. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> this is yeah. the secret conspiracy all along. Oh, Lord. Um, but yeah, that's like basically all we have coming up for a while. Uh, so we've got some time to talk about the Dominar United story, which is what we're doing today. I know they started last week, even though I wasn't here, but we're going to we're going to like, I don't know. I wasn't here. It makes me sad to say I wasn't here. Uh, I was on vacation. I was in Seattle. I was having fun. Gosh, stop being a slacker. God. <laughs> I say before I know I'm going to be on vacation next month. So. Well, uh, fun fact for me is that when I played that pre-release, it was in Seattle at the same place I played my last pre-release in Seattle. So I have not played a pre-release at my local game store in like well over a year. Wow. So. This just this just in uh, Chris hates his local game store. Maybe I do. Maybe I. I don't. Anyway, um, we should talk about the things before. <laughs> yeah. So we're uh, we've got two episodes we're going to talk about this week from Dominar United Stories episodes two and three. They kind of go really well together. One just kind of feeds directly into the second one. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I can start us off with episode two. 
Yeah, I really want to talk about episode three because that yeah, <laughs> for reasons I'll mention when we get there. Uh, me and Brian can can share some thoughts about episode two as we're going through it. But uh, it's episode two, Sand in the Hourglass. All these episodes are written by Langley Hyde, who, as discussed in last week, was an incredible author of especially Karn's point of view. Uh, And Mm -hmm. we start off episode two with Karn's point of view. We are picking up after Karn was buried away in the caves of Koilos. Uh, We don't know how much time it's been, but someone comes and rescues Karn. And it's his buddy, his pal, Johnny, who has been sent there to find him by Joyra because Karn has been missing for two months. Like he he's been a long it's been a long time. He's been under rocks for a really long time. It's uh kind of hard for him to tell the passage of time, both as like an incredibly old golem, but also as like, you know, a robot buried under rocks. So uh he's a little shocked at how long he's been out, Karn uh, smiles a toothless grin at him, which is some foreshadowing, which we will talk about eventually. Um, Karn and Ajani then uh, planeswalk pretty quickly to a Keldon slash New Banalian peace talk. Uh, so the Keldens and the people of New Banalia, who are uh, represented by the Capuchin family, specifically Aaron Capuchin, the father of uh, Raph and Danitha Capuchin, uh, are meeting there's the keldons are represented by rada of course they're you know grand warlord um they're trying to come to some peace agreements which is really cool uh but you know there's a problem and that is that karn sort of just like walks directly into the negotiation room and is like hey there's phyrexians uh to which everyone's a little startled but like no one really believes karn which makes no sense to me yeah it doesn't really make sense but also like I get that they don't want to believe him. Like, they're actively trying to not believe Karn. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me in 2022 that the nation where half the people didn't believe that there was a murderous pandemic, that it's unbelievable that people would doubt the one old geezer who knows what he's talking about because he's making an outcry about a thing that they believe can't be real. For me, this just felt super <laughs> tragically realistic. Yeah. I um, mean, I, I guess my, my biggest thing is that Rada, like, it's more about Rada and Danitha, like, with their connections to the people that they are connected to, Rada being connected to Fraley's and having witnessed, like, is the, basically, I, I, I don't know. There, there are certain people involved. Like, mass hysteria is one thing, but, like, the group of people involved here are are, are people who should know better than that. That That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will say the one, the one person who should be blamed for not knowing better is Joda. So... Yeah, I also forgot to mention Joda and Jaya are here. They're like the peace negotiators, which is <laughs> adorable to me. <laughs> I mean, like, not adorable. Maybe that's the wrong word. I think it's very fun that the two people who would be chosen to, like, help negotiate this peace are two incredibly old friends in every meaning of that word uh, who have connections to the Keldons and the the Argivians and Nubanalians. Um, in some way, but anyways, they're here and Joda is specifically like dismissing Karn and is like, Hey buddy, 
We know the Phyrexians can't travel the planes anymore. They're all trapped on that little planet of yours. We're fine. And I'm like, that is exactly why you should believe Karn. Like, yeah. Joda should know better. That is true. That is that is the truth of this. Um, anyways, no one listens to Karn. Uh, Karn is a little bit upset, I think, rightfully. Uh, he walks off and is, like, talking with a Johnny. And they notice this weird bird watching them. Uh, Karn is, like, really, really good about birds. It's a thing. He's a living statue. Of course you'd have to know about birds. That's true. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, there's this weird bird watching me. And uh, they go back into, like, the negotiation room. And then Teferi just kind of planes walks in. And he's like, hey, uh, Phyrexians. And then everyone believes Teferi. And... Karn is very upset, I think, because, uh, yeah, Teferi, who, yeah, Teferi, who used to, like, bully him as, like, a child, when Teferi was a child, Karn has never really been a child, slash always been a child, depending on how you think about it. He's, like, in a weird, weird state. Um, anyways, uh, Teferi walks in and is like, hey, there's, there's Phyrexians, they were on Kamigawa, we saw them on Kaldheim, and then, like, everyone's like, oh, shoot, this is true now, uh, Everyone starts, like, bracing for, like, what this means for the peace talks. Uh, Karn sort of sneaks away, and realizing what kind of danger they're in, he uh, planeswalks over to Joyra's office on the mana rig. So, interesting thing I thought about this is that Karn is just planeswalking on plane, which is not a thing that, like, a lot of planeswalkers can do, or at least they find it very difficult to do. Um, And he does it multiple times within these stories um but he planeswalks uh to joyra's office on the mana rig and hides the silex which he had found in the last or you know he found in the last dominaria set uh and he like also tucks all his papers with his little silex uh in joyra's office on the mana rig and then comes back and this is like a really important plot point that will come up a lot uh later (laughs) um sten and karn meet up uh Stin is an argivian like peace talk negotiator representative at these peace talks uh he's introduced in the story he's kind of like he's definitely wearing a red shirt um he (laughs) yeah he uh he explains that like he believes that phyrexians are back and that his job is to route out the sleeper agents uh which is a weird thought uh, but like Karn's like cool that's great I have a friend someone who believes me and and understands the threat that we're in uh, they're meeting up in a side room with like Teferi and all of the other planeswalkers and uh, the weird bird, tur- bird turns out to be a Phyrexian as we all kind of expected um, he like Karn is like aha I've caught you I know what you are and he kills it and he walks into the negotiation room and he slams it on the table and is like look here is the Phyrexian. This is not a problem that we can ignore for now. These peace talks are basically over. We have to address this problem. Uh, at that point, all of the sleeper agents in the room wake up. And there's Keldins, there's new Banalian soldiers who all just kind of like explode into Phyrexian tentacles and are like, aha, it's time for us to kill everyone. Um, they fight. It's pretty pitched battle. It's a really cool fight scene, to be honest. Like, the, the new Banalians yell out for Gerard. Uh, the Keldens have, like, a call-and-response thing about the Twilight. Uh, it's it's very cool. 
Um, Wait, what's it? I thought it was about the the winds of. Uh, yeah, the winds. Sorry, I. It's like a Keldon thing. <laughs> uh, I I believe that Twilight did get mentioned, um, but uh, they I I think the story very specifically does quote one of the wind. Card it's basically the, yeah the uh, gosh, those are some ridiculously expensive instants and sorceries from uh, Prophecy Block. They were expensive, so you didn't have to have any untapped land. See, it plays with the set mechanic of tapping all your mana on your own turn and thus leaving yourself vulnerable. <sighs> uh, it's uh, it's the first wind of ascension is forger, Rada called, uh, and then burning away impurity, her warriors bellowed. Um, so yeah, it's a callback to the the winds of uh, of yeah. Uh, but they fight fighting the Phyrexians. Uh, Aaron Capuchin gets grabbed up by one of the uh, the Phyrexians and carried out a window, uh, and a Johnny chases after him, which is some uh, some foreshadowing. Nothing bad will ever happen to a Johnny after this moment. Um, they uh, they end up like barricading the Phyrexians in the negotiation room uh, with all of the other people having escaped the room. Uh, except for Jaya, Joda, Karn, Stin, and Teferi. Uh, Joda summons a portal for them to leave, and Stin recommends going to Argivia. Uh, Joda like, is using a lot of his strength to make this happen, and they all walk through the portal as Jaya like, fills the negotiation room with fire, burning away all the Phyrexians. They close the portal, and now they're in this tower. But wait! A Phyrexian followed them. They see, like, the little slime trail, and they're like, oh no! And then Stin presses the lockdown button, and the entire tower closes up around them, and he's like, nothing can get in or out of this tower as long as these defenses are closed. And uh, that's where we end the story, with a Phyrexian locked in a tower with these five people, one of whom is a new character introduced in this episode. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! I believe it's also important that they leave a Johnny behind. Yes, they do leave a Johnny behind. A Johnny has like jumped through a window to follow Aaron Capuchin and disappeared. And we don't know what's happened to him. God, hopefully nothing bad. <sighs> Sad day. That's episode two, which I uh, thought was fine. Episode two felt to me like a like a parade of characters, like introducing the major players for the story. Uh like one after the other kind of which is fine um i think as you know it's a story it needs to have that moment um especially since the first episode got to be like a deep dive into karn this episode got to like remind us of all the players who were at stake here so yeah yeah episode three is really fun because it kind of like reverses that and is like no longer a parade of characters it's like intensely focused on a very few number it really hones in on Karn's paranoia, or justified paranoia about the Phyrexians, especially considering everything that's happened in the last day. Um, it, it's it's really interesting. But yeah, episode two, yeah, it, it's really just setting the stage. And it's, it's one of those not pretty, but obs- absolutely necessary uh, episodes outlining what everyone needs to know about what's going on in the state of Dominaria to a certain extent. And um, it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, my 
my take is generally if episode two has to be a little busier in order to get the episode one we got, I'm okay with that because episode one is incredible. Um, and getting getting that much tight focus on Karn and his inner thoughts and the interactions with Rona and Shieldred are just really, really excellent. Also, Rona is great. I wasn't here on the episode, but I love Rona so much, and I'm really happy she gets to play a big part in this set. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think episode one was like an absolute slam dunk of a first episode for one of these five story arcs. Um, and if that meant episode two had to kind of like feel a little busy at times, it's super worth it. Um, but I also found some moments in it really enjoyable. I liked the mm-hmm. references to the uh, the Wind of Ascension um, I liked the fact that, like, we did get to see all these characters and they were not just kind of, like, paraded through. And I know I kind of, like, made the joke that it was a parade of characters, but they do have a purpose, you know? It's like, there's a reason why the Capuchins are here. Well, I think it's just Aaron. I don't think Danitha and uh, Raph are here in the story. But there's a reason we have a Capuchin. There's a reason Rada is here. Joda and Jaya are here for a purpose, you know, it's like, it feels like everyone is here in this moment and it's normal that they should be here. It doesn't feel like someone was like, hey, you have to fit all of these characters in this episode. Figure it out. Just throw them in the jail cell next to the main characters for some reason. And then maybe have a frog spirit show up at some point. Um, not a dig at Martha Wells, a dig at the, the people who spaced out the original Dominaria story. Uh, or Dominaria 2018 story, um, which did feel like a parade of characters just kind of showing up at times. Yeah. And this one doesn't have that feel, even though it's a ton of characters. Um, I mean, like, part part of the thing with, with the stories at the end of Dominaria is that those characters didn't have a lot of story function. They just kind of existed to be a name in a story. All the characters here are going to continue in the story for the set. Um, so it's it's a slightly different function, especially when it's setting up near the beginning and not just trying to pay off some more name drops at the end. Um, but uh, I have a very important question for all the listeners out there. Uh, who here is a fan of John Carpenter's The Thing? Me. I have a, um, a very embarrassing admission that I've not actually seen it. Well, that sucks for yeah. you because that movie is fantastic and you should see it. It's very good. Um, because episode three, The Locked Tower, uh, is essentially Magic the Gathering's microcosm of John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, which is, by the way, my favorite horror movie of all time. And I did get to see it in the 40th anniversary theatrical re-release run thing that happened this summer. It was very excellent to see it on a big screen. Highly recommend. Um, so we've got our uh, isolated heroes. Someone's an imposter. There's a lot of Among Us jokes made about everything. <laughs> uh, but also, remember, Among Us is based on, like, John Carpenter's The Thing. Ah, source material. We're ignoring the part where John Carpenter's The Thing is not only a remake of a movie, but is a remake of a movie that is based on a novella. Still very good. Um, so, Karn, Jaya, Joda, Teferi, and Sten, they're all trapped in this tower in Givia. Uh, and there's a Phyrexian loose. But also, one of them might be a sleeper agent who could have known about all these meetings. Dun, dun, dun. And so they do the number one thing that you should never do in this kind of situation is they split up. 
Um, uh, and so uh, Karn goes with Teferi, and the other groups go. And uh, Karn is still in a state of not trusting people. And, and one of the important things is that the, the Silex, uh, someone else needs to know about the Silex, but also he doesn't know who to trust, but also giving information to a sleeper agent, a potential sleeper agent, and seeing what they do with that information is a good strategy for trying to figure out who the sleeper agent is. Uh, so, uh, so at this point, Karn is not only trying to find the known Phyrexian, but is trying to tease up the sleeper agents. And so he starts telling lies, uh, sneaky little covert detective lies to try to trap uh, the sleeper agent by telling them, hey, you're the only one I trust. This is where the Silex is. And then lying about the Silex's location. And he tells the fairy that it's in Talaria. And that's a lie. And Teferi's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like, if I need to go get the thing, thanks. Thank you for trusting me. Uh, I forget exactly where it is. There's also a very good moment where uh, Teferi apologizes for being such a bully to Karn, uh, which I really liked. I think it's, like, right after that moment or right before it. It's, like, when they're together alone. It's, yeah. And there's just... It taps into a, a lot of what I really liked about Teferi as a character since uh, his return to Planeswalkerdom in Dominaria, um, where he, he legitimately feels like a different person who has changed and grown, and that change and growth feels earned uh, narratively, and um, it's really refreshing, because Teferi used to suck as a character. Um, and so it's nice that he, he and Karn kind of reconcile a little bit. Yeah, the, the actual line is, uh, Teferi says, Urza used you like a tool. I never questioned it. I should have. And recently, Niambi got me thinking, I wish I'd been more thoughtful when I was younger, more observant, and that I'd treated you better. And this is just like a great apology and especially gives us that insight to like Teferi. Part of why he's a good person now is that he, you know, has formed a family and he's letting that family, like, influence him to be a better person. And I think that's great. He's not just a smart person, but he's a wise person. And that's why we like the fairies. Um, and so they they kind of suss some stuff out, but then end up kind of grouping back together. Uh, and Karn and Jota work together to make uh, a Phyrexian compass. A little, uh, I always think about it like the little tracking module things from Alien. Uh, the motion detectors, um, which like vaguely point to where a creature might be in the pipes, but you don't know exactly, so it can't give away too much information so that we can build tension and then have, ha, surprise creature! Because um, horror movies are great, and they do stuff like this, and, and this story, again, just pulls out all the horror suspense stops. Um, and uh, Karn also creates... Um, a secret device, a scrying device, which I think is a card in the set, um, to track where a Johnny is, but he can't get a clear read, which is weird because we've seen him scry other things. Foreshadowing, maybe. Who knows? Uh, this whole set story does a lot of really good, nice foreshadowing, which is really nice to catch the first time when you know all the twists, uh, by the way. Uh, and then he checks out Talaria and sees that there's no Phyrexians there, so clearly Teferi cannot be the sleeper. And then uh, Ajaya got bit by a Frexian, by the way, and she doesn't really want to talk about it. Uh, she doesn't want to draw suspicion to herself. Uh, also, like, 
she's like doesn't want people to worry about her. Like she's tough. She can take a hit. Um, and then so uh, they split up into different teams, and Karn is now isolated with uh, Joda, um, and they have some nice chats. And he's like, "Hey, by the way, Joda, you're the only one I trust. Silux is hidden in Estark, and that's a lie." <laughs> it's also a reference to Estark, which we have not had in like uh-huh. a decade. <laughs> uh huh. Like, uh, when was the last? Ever- yeah. Shout out to everyone who owns the Sewers of Estark card that they got by mailing in a thing at the back of one of the Harper Prism novels. I believe it was Arena, if I'm correct. I think it was like the very first one you had that was Sewers of Estark. Because Arena takes place in Estark, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know. I have not read Arena. I know. Fake Vorthos, I didn't read the best magic novel. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I haven't read Test of Metal either. Uh, Well, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's been a reference to Estark in like a very long time in either story, definitely not in cards. Um, so it was really cool to have that brought back up just as like a sideline. I wonder if Time Spiral got one in somewhere. I know they got Epitier in Time Spiral, which is wild. But uh, yeah. Uh, and so then the teams end up getting mixed again, except where's Teferi, uh, who had been searching alone and so while joda and sten are uh off uh alone karn and jaya team up um to go find teferi because now they have to find teferi because oh no what if teferi gets caught by the phyrexian and like turns into a phyrexian or gets killed or whatever or the sleeper agent gets them and then karn is like hey jaya you're the only one i trust the silex is hidden in sagata uh which again is a lie. And then it turns out Teferi has been attacked. He's very badly wounded. He has a big slash over uh, uh, across his stomach. Um, uh, and they work and try to save him. Uh, and, and this has kind of put a clock on their search. Not only do they have to find the Phyrexian, Karn is trying to tease out the sleeper agent, but now they have to find a way to unlock the tower afterwards and then uh, evacuate Teferi and get him healed because Joda doesn't have a lot of energy left. He's very tired. He's been using a lot of magic. Um, and he really just can't afford to to fully heal Teferi right now. Um, uh, and so there's a power stone that powers the tower. Uh, Argivia as the city is this big clockwork city powered by power stones. Uh, it's pretty neat. And they're like, hey, we can use this power stone to help find the Phyrexian. Uh, and so uh, Karn gets paired up with Sten now. The only other person he hasn't been paired up with. And they're talking, and Karn is like, you know, Sten, as the person tasked with sussing out sleeper agents in New Argive, gotta say, you're the only one I can trust. The Silex is in the ruins of Trocare, which was the Acacian city in Sarpedia. Uh, this, by the way, is a lie. And believe it or not, Sten, his face just kind of opens up, and all these cables pop out of his body, and he starts, like, transmitting what? a message to Shield Tread. Because, what? what a surprise, the cop was the bad guy. <laughs> Are you telling me this character introduced in the last episode, whose whole goal is to find sleeper agents, was the sleeper agent all along? Uh-huh. I will say, it, was, it wasn't It was shocking when it happened, but it's they did build it up pretty yeah. well. I think it's satisfying. Yeah, it's satisfying. Um, And I think it's really important, like, obviously now we're at the point where we knew that Ajani was also a sleeper agent. 
And so uh, I'm, I'm very curious if reading a story, hearing, oh, there's a sleeper agent among us. Oh, it's Sten. Uh, and for the people who didn't get spoiled, if that, uh, oh, Sten is the sleeper agent made people feel like everyone was safe until the uh, Johnny reveal. Because, um, you know, as the person who knew the thing the whole time and has known for a while now, like, I'm very curious how that played out to the people who didn't have that spoiled and uh, got to read the stories and such. Because uh, I, th I think that was a neat thing to include. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so Sten uh, uses the Power Stone to transmit this message to Shieldred and be like, hey, by the way, the Silex is in Troke, the ruins of Trocare. Go get it. Um, oh, those poor Phyrexians. And then Karn, I'm about to swear. Karn fucking murders Sten. It's great. Just shreds him, rips him apart. Karn is an eight-foot-tall tall robot with incredible strength. Uh, and he really don't like Phyrexian. Um, oh, by the way, Teferi is still dying. <laughs> so they <laughs> yeah. call the Weatherlight, uh, which has been kind of doing a bunch of undercover operations and has been uh, the main uh, mobile operations center for the new coalition. Um, and so uh, they, they call the Weatherlight so that Raph can heal the fairy. Uh, and it turns out they never got the Phyrexians uh, that was in the tower. Uh, and it's been, uh, you know, they, they do do they do find it and attack it and then it splits apart the smaller Phyrexians. Uh, and then it turns out there's just a whole bunch of Phyrexians and sleeper agents awakening in Argivia and uh, they get the hell out of there. Um, this is this is now this now goes from a uh, this is kind of the moment where it goes from hey this is like Cold War tension to oh actually we're kind of at a war here uh, this this is actually just an invasion of Dominaria isn't it um, and that's that's where episode three ends yeah I I loved this episode so much it was so good yeah it, it definitely had me feeling like I wasn't sure like even though. Like, Sten was really, like, it should have been obvious. They, the way that it was put and the way that they built tension in the story really made you feel like any one of them could have been super agents. Because, you know, we, we were exposed to Tamiyo being completed. We never know who it could have been. So they really, like, uh, ratcheted up the suspense in the story, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, um, I think the, the Sten thing is that when you, when you start this episode and you realize that like Karn is trying to figure out who the, the sleeper agent is, who the like undercover, you could say who the imposter is. Um, he's trying to figure it out. And like, it builds up all this tension where you really do start questioning who it could be. Like you have an idea that it's probably Stin, but like Joda is being like really direct about wanting to know about the Silex the whole time. And like, He's like, he just seems really kind of off a little bit. Um, Teferi is a little off. Jaya has her little like bite that she doesn't want anyone to know about. Um, so you start like wondering like, okay, this really could be anyone. It doesn't have to be Sten. Uh, and then like you start like eliminating the options one by one. And then when it gets to Sten, you actually do think like maybe there's just no sleeper agent. Maybe the point of this is that none of them or Phyrexians, and Karn has been mistrusting them all the whole time for no reason. And then Sten is like, thank you for giving me the information I needed. I will now turn into a satellite dish and transmit it directly to Shieldred. 
Um, and it's like a surprise, but it's also like, oh, of course. And but it is kind of like in its own way startling because you don't know. And also, like, it could have just been no one. It was Stan. It was Stan. <laughs> and, yeah, Karn rips him to pieces and it is delightful because the way that Karn's character is being written so perfectly in these episodes, it's like Karn takes hold of Stin, but it's not Stin. Karn has to remind himself that this is someone who used to be Stin and Stin is gone now. And then he's just like, all right, now that this is no longer a human being who I must protect, I can just rip him to pieces. And I think one of the, one of the cool things about the set is that the sleeper agents work a little bit differently than they did uh, the last time Phyrexia was sending sleeper agents to Dominario, which is uh, you know when when Carrick uh, uh, and crew arrived, they knew they were sleeper agents and were intentionally deceiving. Um, and then when the time was right, they struck. The sleeper agents in this set are are Dominarians who have been converted into sleeper agents uh, and then have amnesia. They don't know that they're sleeper agents until they're activated. Uh, so Sten, for this entire time, is acting kind of sketch, but he's doing that as actual Sten, the sleeper agent hunter. He's not doing that because he's a sketcho Phyrexian. Um, he isn't a Phyrexian, quote-unquote, in behavior until he activates upon hearing where the Silex is. Um, and so... You get a lot of really good natural behavior out of him and, um, I don't know, some other sleeper agents that might exist later in the set. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that's a, a very cool uh, way that they uh, can more plausibly throw some suspicion onto other characters. Uh, if you know that there isn't someone intentionally deceiving Khan, that everyone thinks they are being truthful in the moment. Yeah, and, you know, we have mentioned it in spoiler alert that Ajani is a sleeper agent, but the important thing is once that reveal is made later in the stories in episode five, we get to look back at these episodes and see the clues uh, mm -hmm. that were left there for us. And in episode three is kind of the time period where we believe Ajani is made into a sleeper agent, right? Because like when he first finds Karn in episode two, he does this smile or this grin where he doesn't show his teeth. And the idea is like, ah, yes, that is a normal thing for Leonin to do. And then in episode four or five, I forget which one, where Johnny shows back up, he smiles a big toothy grin. And that's like a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. But it's kind of fun to like look at these little clues and go, oh, he has a certain way he smiles. Oh, he runs after Aaron Capuchin and he's separated from everyone and he doesn't have his communication device with him. Uh oh, when, you know, Karn tries to scry him, he can't see him. And then he also mentions when he scries Phyrexians, he can't see them. So it's like a really cool, like, laying of the bricks for us for the reveal that is going to, you know, shock and amaze us in episode five. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, the way the sleepers are written is like, especially scary and upsetting. Because um, like you said, like, they're not like the old ones that are like born in a vat and then like kind of put out you know, knowing that they're sleeper agents. Uh, these are like people who have been forced into being Phyrexians um, and are totally unaware, but also totally unable to resist being Phyrexian, which is in its own way, really terrifying because like you could be a sleeper agent right now and you don't even know it. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. 
Anyways, I had this really good coffee the other day. It was a little oily, but it was oh, really God, good. Uh, there, there's a comment here from uh, live listener Lillian. Uh, they've really sped up the Planeswalker completion process, apparently. Didn't Tamiyo take weeks? Uh, I don't know exactly how long Tamiyo took, but also remember that Tamiyo was like the first one. The one where they had to actually figure out how to do the thing. Once you know how to do the thing, it, it becomes easier, I would assume. Um Especially when, like, like they are, they are making sleeper agents, which means they are not as Phyrexian as Tamio ended up. Um, a Johnny is, you know, intentionally outwardly still looking like a Johnny, and most of the work is internal until the moment where he activates. Um, and like, at this point, Shield Red has had months to establish a kind of sleeper agent assembly line, uh, and. Uh, you just, you know, toss toss one big kitty on there. Uh, yeah. mm, poor Johnny. Thanks, I hate it, but I better not see cough this way, at least for until he gets another card. Bare minimum too. Hey, you don't even you don't even know you're gonna see cough at all. If we go back to Phyrexia and we don't get a cough card, I swear to I'm god. I'm flying up to Seattle and I'm burning the I I will fly back to Seattle. I will go over to Renton, I will knock on the door. And then I will probably uh, just walk through because it's probably an automatic door. And then I will go to the front desk and be told to leave. But I will say something very rude to Wizards of the Coast if we don't get a cough card. No comment. (laughs) I I know that. As the person who knows where things are going, uh, I get to tease y'all all all I want. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, we'll we'll cross the Phyrexia. We'll be one bridge when we get there. Um, That... We do still have a premier expansion set uh, in Brothers War before we we get to that one. So, mm. uh, patience. Karn in Brothers War? We don't really know if he's a new walker. He could have been an old walker. No. Well, I mean, maybe. Anyways, uh, yeah, episodes three and two and three. They were great. I really enjoyed them. I felt like the first three episodes spent a lot of time building up what was going to be the major conflict in the fourth and fifth episode with the Phyrexians. Uh, and kind of think that maybe, I mean, like I enjoyed the episodes, but I don't know if that was the best choice for this story. So that's like a overall comment for maybe when we're done talking about episode five next week. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I do also have to say, Chris, there is literally no point in time when Koth could have been born when Yogmoth Frexia existed. Mirrodin didn't exist until after Scourge. But what if what if Koth <laughs> was abducted to Mirrodin by Mimnark? Huh? huh? Uh then Mimnark would have taken his well, first of all, there would be a pre-mending planeswalker on Mirrodin and things would have gone very differently. Second of all, then Memark would have just taken his spark. Okay, you're trying to like defeat me with logic when I was making a really bad joke and I'm like trying to fight it and I shouldn't be. I should just go, yes, that's true. I am making a bad joke about Koth. <laughs> but uh no, I do just I just want to see Koth again. I think it's high time for Koth cards. We're on Koth Watch incoming. There's there's got to be a cough card. We're, we're in a weird place where it's been so long since we've seen new Phyrexia that a lot of players just haven't ever experienced cough. 
Uh, we're even many years removed from the Conspiracy 2 version of um, Phyrexian Arena that shows him on New Phyrexia. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm I'm curious how many people out there are actually, you know, familiar with the character, especially because like he had one Planeswalker card and it wasn't super impactful in any internal formats. So did I say internal, eternal format? Hey, I played him in Scred Red as my first modern deck. It's great. Yeah, no, that was at that time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I think Hoth is cool. I would like to see him back. We'll see if he's back. But he's not in this. We're still talking about Dominaria United. We're not talking about Koth yet. Yeah, I was trying to talk about Dominaria United. <laughs> All right, story story final thoughts. I already kind of gave mine, saying that I liked 2 and 3 a lot, but I feel like they were spending a lot of time doing setup for the big conflict. And I feel like maybe we needed more time for that conflict. But I appreciate having these like intense character moments where we get like, Karn interacting with each of these individual characters who are like a big part of his history, you know, Teferi being like one of his oldest compatriots and Joda being like the grand grandchild of his creator or at least his creator's wife for sure. Um, and like getting to interact with them and like Jaya being like a similar old walker from Dominaria and Sten being a cop. Um, it's not really a history between Sten and Karn at all. But yeah, it's uh it's good to get these episodes, but also like there is like a big plot happening and we didn't really get a lot of that. Um I did the thing that I usually do, kind of intersperse my thoughts about a story as I'm telling the summary. Uh oops. I I obviously enjoyed the the John Carpenter's the thing episode. Um it was described that way to me when I was learning about the story, and I think it executed excellently on that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed episode three as well. Um, like, it's... I think I liked it more than most of the stories in the last year or so. Um, outside of the Karn one. Karn one, the first episode one was great. My favorite one. But this was uh, number two outside of anything released in the last year or maybe more, because um, I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to just final thoughts in general, um, of which I will say uh, we are in Season of Plunder for Destiny 2, and it's pirates, and Drifter is calling Ido crab cakes, and Misrax has this mysterious backstory that we're going to learn about, uh, and also this old connection with spider who is back it's great i'm having a blast aramis is unfrozen shout out to the canonical lesbian kel of the house of darkness we love her girl boss winning great to see i love destiny it's also arc 3.0 and titan's got now the most powerful grenade in the game and i'm very happy shout out to enhanced storm grenades um yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time with my MMO. Um, my final thought is that uh, the NFL season starts this weekend, and I'm super stoked, and I cannot wait for the Green Bay Packers to uh, resume their quest to win the Super Bowl. So, My final thought was accurately predicted by uh, live listener Heavenly Evan, uh, <laughs> in that my final thought was going to be, the Queen is dead, so cool. 
<laughs> the the British monarchy is the source of a lot of the world's suffering over the last, like, not, like, very long time, but also, like, specifically even just in her reign. Very terrible monarchy. Uh, goodbye. And uh, also, Dead End Paranormal Park Season 2. Yeah. I think I mentioned that show before. If I have not, you should go on Netflix and watch it. It's incredible. Uh, Dead End Paranormal Park. It is a, like, animated show. It's incredible. The characters are really great. It's just, it's a wonderful show. And we're, we're getting a season two. Uh, so that's really exciting. Um, I was very happy to hear about it. And I'm excited for uh, when it's going to come out, which I think is like October. It's very soon. Um, so very good week. We've got new season of good show. And also the Queen of England is dead. How do we transition the Queen of England is dead into asking people for money? <laughs> is is the segue just if you also are anti-monarchist because like at this point i don't what is this episode like 280 or something like at this point if you listen to the show and you still support arist arist God, words aristocratic monarchies and and uh horrific colonizers um i don't know what co-hosts you've been listening to uh, but, uh, unfortunately we have to all live under the capitalist's capital. Did we lose one? I think we might have lost Lorelai. I think, uh, ranting about the queen might've gotten Lorelai assassinated. That's fine. I'm ready to go. Uh, so I will just also echo that and say, uh, yeah, if you, um, if you've been listening to our show and you're not like on the same wavelength we are about colonialism and and, and anti-capitalism, things like that, then, uh, wow, you've been listening to a lot of this show and people who disagree with you a lot. Uh, but we appreciate all of our listeners. Um, well, most of our listeners. Uh, wow. <laughs> but we do definitely appreciate all of our supporters on Patreon, where a uh, dollar a month gets you access to our Discord server and $3 a month gets you access to the live listen tier where uh, people are listening to us make the podcast live and they're hearing all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, we appreciate all of our supporters, regardless of uh, how much they are contributing to our Patreon or not. Just listening is great. Following us on Twitter is awesome. Uh, talking to people about the Vorthos cast is highly appreciated. So uh, thank you all for supporting us uh, as much as you have over the years. And... Um, yeah, I guess that's going to be the end of our show. So, uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.